So hey everybody, we've been in a series called Target Practice. Can you say Target Practice? And this series is really a series on the culture of our church and how we aim to do life with God and people. Can you say aim? Now the reason why we say aim is because we recognize and realize that we are indeed doing our best. Amen? We are not perfect. Can I get an amen on that? We're just doing our best to follow God. Amen. And we recognize also, that's why that word practice is there, is in this life, if you just wait until you can do something perfectly, you will never do anything. And so we want to be a church that is doing our best to practice what we're preaching. And that means doing it, walking it out, but also recognizing that we will not do it or walk it out perfectly. Amen. So uh, this week, you know, as, as we've been going through this stuff, uh, we've been going through a part of our website called How We Aim to Live. Um, I highly encourage, if you are new to the church, if you're visiting, we would encourage you to uh, check that spot out on the website and get to know really um, some of the core things about what we believe and, again, how we aim to do life as a people. Uh, there's a lot of statements, right? Um, but again, it's just a lot of stuff that we're trying to do our best at. And it really would show you the heart of our church family and kind of what we're all about. So this morning, the aim we're talking about is we aim to see failure as an opportunity to grow. I'm going to say that again. We aim to see failure as an opportunity to grow. Not an opportunity to judge, not an opportunity to hide, shrivel up, feel like a failure, an opportunity to grow. You see, I feel like the enemy is, one thing he is good at is accusing people. Um, He's called the accuser of the brethren in scripture. Um, ladies, you're a part of the brethren. <laughs> I know that's a weird thing to say, but you are a part of the brethren, right? The enemy's good at accusing people. And there's multiple voices going on up here. And you're not crazy because you hear voices, just for the record, first and foremost. Uh, I think if everybody was being honest, we hear a lot of stuff up here via um, our thoughts. And how many all know not every thought in here is yours? Not every thought in here is yours. You are not a victim to your thoughts. You are not a victim to the things that fly in through your head. We get to choose, can you say choose, which thoughts to embrace, to nurture, to resist, and to replace. And I just want to encourage you this morning and let you know that you don't have to let a failure convince you that you are a failure. I'm going to say that again. Just because you failed does not mean you're a failure. It means once more, you're a human being on the planet Earth, hopefully doing your best. And even if you weren't doing your best, you can switch lanes now and present yourself to God and let him do something. It's not too late. It's not too late. You don't have to sit down, shut down, hide. 
The Spirit of God wants to encourage you. The Spirit of God wants to help you, lift you. Amen? Let's start off here. I just want to set you free. Uh, Proverbs 24, 16. So if there's any bold words up here, I have those bold. Um, if it's not distracting to you, I would encourage you, read those out loud with me. Uh, it says this, For a righteous person falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in time of disaster. For a righteous person falls seven times. You see, it doesn't literally mean seven times. Okay, it's not like you fall the eighth time and there's no hope for you. <laughs> seven was often used in scripture as like an infinite number. Okay, Jesus even talked about forgiving seven, 70 times seven, right? He doesn't literally mean do the math and one time after that, no forgiveness. That's not what he's saying. Okay, this is talking about a righteous person can fall an infinite number of times and rise again. Uh, this in the Passion Translation, let's go ahead and pull that up. Y'all ready to read? For the lovers of God may suffer adversity and stumble seven times, but they will continue to rise over and over again. This next part is something interesting to see. This is what we don't want. But the unrighteous are brought down by just one calamity and will never be able to rise again. I want to tell you that if you've been brought down by a calamity, you can get up. You can get up, and I mean it. I mean it. I don't, whatever it is, whatever it is, you don't have to sit down in it. God wants to lift you. God wants to help you. And you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to do it alone. He wants to help you. This message could be like preventative heart preparation. Letting you know, hi, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. And that's okay. I, I was expecting an amen on that. Y'all want me to tell you you're going to fail and it's over? <laughs> I'm preaching good news, y'all. But a failure doesn't have to be the end. It can be the beginning of something beautiful. Our God is so good at taking fails and turning them into wins, man. God's better at winning than you are at losing. I promise. If you'll let him move. Or this could be like a repair message. You might be the person who's found yourself on the other side of a failure just like, oh my gosh, there's no hope. I can't do it. I dropped the ball. I'm the scum of the earth. All of that is Satan's speech. Okay, and I'm calling it out for what it is. Because a lot of people get it twisted and they think that conviction sounds like that. That's not the conviction of the Holy Spirit. God's voice is kind. He's good. He loves you. He wants to encourage you. He's not rubbing your nose in what you did, making you feel like a failure. You see, when, 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 when God calls you out, 
He's calling you out. When the enemy calls you out, he pushes you in. He presses your nose in what you did. Look at what you did, you failure. How could you? You could never try. Don't even try to get up. Don't even try anything ever again. You better be afraid of ever taking another step of faith. You're dirty. That's all, again, Satan's speech. Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we get to have God here with us, is like, let me help you out of this. I want to help you out. He is the purifier. He is the encourager. And he's the only way out, honestly. So I just wanted to talk about a few perspectives around failure this morning that hopefully can set us free to see failure as an opportunity. Now, just for the record, out the gate, we don't yearn to fail, right? I'm not saying, hey, go make the biggest mess you can make so God can make something beautiful out of it. I'm just saying, even as we're doing our best, we will miss the mark. We will fall down. And it's what we do in those moments that really defines what our lives look like here. Because we're not all just hitting it bullseye every time. And we can't let a non-bullseye suck us out of yielding our lives to Jesus. Amen? So one question I have for you is, did you even fail? What do you consider failure? It's a real question. What do you consider success? It's a real question. The world's got lots of ideas about success. Let me ask you something. Was the cross a success? Not a, tri not a trick question. Was the cross a success? Okay, did it look like it? No. Was it even a failure? Did you even fail? Uh, the definition of failure, we can go ahead and pull that up. means this, a lack of success or the omission of the expected or required action. The omission of the expected or required action. You see, sometimes I think we consider something a failure when there is an omission of the expected reaction. Any of y'all ever step into something God, you felt like God was calling you into? And people didn't respond the way that you thought they would respond. And then you're like, well, I guess I just failed. Since when did humanity's response define success? Again, I appeal to the cross. Humanity, God's own people were ashamed of him. They wanted to take down the sign above Jesus that said, King of the Jews. Because of how ashamed they were of this man hanging on the cross. He looked shameful. It was ugly. It wasn't pretty. It was a victory. Have you branded a success a failure? Because of the external optics. Yeah. 
Self-sacrificial love does not always look like a success. Sometimes you're pouring yourself out and loving people that hate you. It won't, maybe you won't get all the applause in the world. It's not a failure. It's an honor to get to participate in Christ-like love, and we need to rebrand it. We need to get back to what success is. Because all this other stuff is just setting you up for hope deferred. It is, and hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Y'all know that? That's a scripture. That's, that's Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. So I just wanted to pull up Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. says this, therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let's run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking only at Jesus. Can you say looking only at Jesus? That's important. The originator, other translations say the author, and perfecter of the faith, for who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Y'all ready to read? For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If human response is the gauge, you're using the wrong tools. We need to replace these natural gauges with heavenly ones. They're not the same. But I get it. I get it. When not everybody loves you and not everybody's like, yeah, you're doing the best. <laughs> Congratulations, success, victory. You can be tempted to grow weary and lose heart and give up. You don't have to. You don't have to. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to be honest with you. Listen, God's heart for you and his desire for you is not pain. He's not causing you to be hurt. But the truth of it is, in some of the most hurtful and painful situations is where we get to feel and experience an intimacy with God that is so pure. We recognize our need for him. It's like it's so annoying that sometimes we have to get driven to the end of ourselves. You know, you don't have to, just for the record. But sometimes you find yourself there. And again, in those failures or in those, in those moments, recognize them as opportunities for God to move. Again, don't let the optics of your experience blind you to the potential of your actions. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know. You don't know. And you're not responsible for all of that. Here's what you're responsible for. Do what God told you to do. Do it. If you're like, you know, I have a hard time hearing God, open up the scriptures. Look at what a life following Jesus looks like. 
And then tune your ear to him, though. And start to say, Holy Spirit, I want to hear you in a personal way. And then just do your best to follow him. And whether you see natural external fruit or reward, don't grow weary. Recognize there is a heavenly reward for you. Not just the beauty of knowing Christ, because that's enough. That's actually enough. But scripture talks about some like heavenly reward in the future that we could sit here and try to pretend like we know what it is, but I'm just saying it's going to be better than even what we could think or talk about here. Matthew 5, 11 through 12, Jesus said this. Blessed are you when people insult you. Y'all feel blessed when you're insulted? Well, then maybe your feelings aren't a good gauge for success. And persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Y'all ready? For your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now this is not a free pass to be a stinker. Some people are like, Okay, well, I guess if I'm going to get my heavenly reward, I need to ask for persecution, you know? And they just go out being a contentious contentiouser, you know, stirring everybody, just purposefully upsetting people. That's not how it works. We follow the leading of the Spirit of God, and sometimes people are like, yes, thank you, Jesus. And sometimes they're like, you are a threat. You are a danger to this world system and its continuation, and therefore, we are going to persecute you. Persecution, real God persecution, is a byproduct of us loving really, really well. That's what it should be. It shouldn't be a byproduct of you being a stinker or me being a stinker. It's us following the Spirit of God and people reacting in a not great way. I like this because it's, I mean, you don't get a reward for failing, right? If your heavenly reward is great, that must mean that you won, even though you've been insulted and persecuted and people are saying all kinds of things about you that aren't true. That's good news, you guys. Something we can do to things that God calls us into that's kind of dangerous is add expectations. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but oftentimes God will like show me something to do. I'll be like, cool, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is when it's going to happen, and if it doesn't happen by then, then it must not be, etc., etc. Anybody ever been there before? Yeah? You put all of your counterpoints on God's statement. Yeah, those counterpoints are not helpful. Okay, just let me tell you out the gate, those are not helpful. Don't add amendments to God's statements. Okay? Don't box him in. Did you actually even fail or did you add expectations that he never gave you? If you did your best to walk out what God showed you, led by the Spirit of God, that's a win. That's a win. 
And even if you land flat on your face, God can do something with it. So don't add specific times. This is a big one. Don't add your own timeline to God's calling. Your, you will, your heart will grow sick. Hope will be deferred and your heart will grow sick. Do not do that. Don't add a timeline. Don't add responses or outcomes as expectations to the things that God's calling you into. So another, another varying perspective. Can y'all see how sometimes we just have like the way we look at failure and success a little twisted? Okay, so I need to re-preach that whole thing. Don't test me, I'll do it. Can y'all kind of see how sometimes we have failure and success uh, wrong? We're not thinking about them in correct terms. Yeah. Um, another perspective that I think will set us free is the question of, is failure going to be an opportunity for regret or shame or an opportunity to repent and receive his grace and encouragement? I'm going to say that again. Is failure an opportunity for regret or shame or an opportunity to repent and receive his grace and encouragement? Sometimes we screw up. Sometimes we do screw up. We do fail. Anybody ever been there before? Join the club. It's okay. You're not a failure. Why is it that when someone else falls, well, you can go a variety of ways, but oftentimes if you think about failing in terms of falling, which is really kind of the, the origin of the word, it's like if we see someone else fall, we want to be like, oh my gosh, and help them up. Have y'all ever felt like embarrassed for somebody? and you just like wanted to help them and, and you didn't want them to experience any of the shame associated with the thing that you saw happen and you just felt for them and you wanted to love on them? Why is it that we're like that with other people but we beat ourselves up like crazy when we're the one that trips? Why, why is that? That's, that's just twisted. There's a, <laughs> there's a reason why we're instructed by Jesus to love ourselves. Because we need it. And honestly, it's with the love that he gives. So really, it's just receiving his love in the first place. But so often, we are so cruel to ourselves. You know, when my, when my wife is being cruel to herself, I'll say, hey, stop being mean to my wife. Straight up. And I give her permission to do the same thing, you know? But it's just like, we don't get a free pass on being cruel to ourselves, you guys. God loves you. He wants to help you. Not just those around you, but you too. Let's read Psalm 34, 22. Y'all ready to read? The Lord redeems the souls of his servants, and none of those who take refuge in him will suffer for their guilt. Now, this, there's a decision built in here, though. Are you going to take refuge in him? 
Because if you're not, you will feel the godlessness. You have an option. Take refuge in him. He already suffered for your guilt. Why are you choosing to suffer and spit in the face of what he did on the cross? Heek. And I know it's not like an intentional decision that we're making when we do that, but that's really what's going on. He suffered for us, you guys. We get to take refuge in him. Stop punishing yourself for what Jesus paid the price for. Psalm 145. Weak and feeble ones, you will sustain. Those bent over with burdens of shame, you will lift up. Anybody ever just been like bent over with a burden of shame? I remember when I was a kid, something had actually happened to me that I was super ashamed of, because how many all know shame is a weird old beast? Yeah? And I remember, I was just overwhelmed to the point we had this like, real, we had like this like cheap air hockey table thing. Any y'all ever have one of those in the 90s? They were, man, they were the thing, you know? Um, but I remember I was hiding under this air hockey table in our basement, just crying. I was like bowed over in shame. And I just remember my mom being like, Stephen, what's going on? How can I help you? Like, what, what is this? And I was so ashamed. I was bowed over in my shame. I couldn't even articulate it. God wants to help you. God wants to meet you there. Maybe you're not there in public, but if you're there in private, God wants to meet you there and help you and lift you. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces, y'all ready? A repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Again, don't rebrand the sorrow of the world or the accusations of the enemy as the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people say, well, I'm just feeling godly sorrow. I hate myself. That's not godly sorrow. I'm just feeling godly sorrow. I'm such a failure. This is godly sorrow. It's not godly sorrow. Godly sorrow produces repentance. Can y'all say repentance? That's not a dirty word. Repentance is a good word, okay? Because repentance means stop trying to do it not God's way. And all it means is turn around. Okay. It's like, like, like... <laughs> Being a father, I have to be cautious of how many, like, dad metaphors I use. Y'all could be in danger, you know what I mean? But let's, it's like if I see True walking towards something super dangerous, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, True, turn around, bro. And I'm like, course correct him. And then he just, he's just as happy, you know what I mean? <laughs> and like, it's a great thing. But, like, we as adults sometimes decide to go down that way and we experience the godlessness of that decision, right? We even experience the consequence of going the other way. And you have a decision to make there. You can either sit down in it, let the enemy beat you up, call yourself a failure, 
Or you can recognize, again, oh, wow, it's as simple as going, oh, yeah, God, I need you. I need your help. And turn around and embrace his way for you. And the beauty of this is it's without regret. Can you say without regret? How many of y'all have ever been kidnapped for a week by regret? Anybody? It's madness. Let me ask you this. What is the fruit? What's the fruit? Is it helpful? No. Now, it doesn't mean you just pretend that nothing happened, right? Nothing ever happened. No, you can turn to God and let him do something in this situation. Again, failure is an opportunity to grow, and that repentance without regret leads to salvation. God saves the day every time. So another perspective, is failure an opportunity for the enemy to drive us into the ground or for God to flip the script? I'm going to say that again. Is failure an opportunity for the enemy to drive us into the ground or for God to flip the script? Romans 8.28. Y'all might be familiar with this scripture. I don't know. You ready? And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Any people in the house love God? Yeah. Okay, well, hey, this is for you. This, this good news up here, it's for you. Now, this does not say God causes all things, period. This, said God, this says God causes all things to work together for good. God is not causing the failure. But what he can do is he can go, oh, okay, I can make something good out of this. I can turn this around for good. Uh, I'd encourage you sometime, read read. Read the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis and just watch how God takes the persecution of Joseph by his brothers, by his employers, by everyone, and he ends up turning it around for good. It's a beautiful thing that he actually wants to do in your life. You can either submit your failure to God who will cause it for good in constructive purposes or to the enemy who will cause it for yours and others' destruction. You have a choice. When you fail, who are you going to give that failure to? Will you submit it to God? Will you let him do something? Or will you let the enemy do something? Convince you that you're somebody you're not convince you that it's the end. It ain't over. Is failure an opportunity to die in the past or live in the future? Um, something Amber Buck, how many know Amber? She's the best. Um, I was having a conversation with her a couple weeks ago, and she said two words that really stood out to me. She said, appreciate seasons. Appreciate seasons. Just because something ends doesn't mean you failed. Did you hear me? Just because something ends doesn't mean that you failed. Just because something falls apart doesn't mean you failed. 
Can I set you free? The world doesn't revolve around you. You might think it does. It don't. You know, it really doesn't. In relationships, situations, they're complex, man. They're made up of multiple people, a lot of moving parts. Appreciate seasons. Sometimes things need to fail for God's purposes to succeed. And when I say fail there, I basically just mean come to an end. Maybe that relationship needs to come to an end. But God, but God loves them and I'm responsible for their salvation. God's got them. God's got them. Okay? You are not the only human being with the gospel message, just to let you know. And if God is saying, hey, this relationship needs to end, it is destructive, you need to end it. And doing so is not a failure, it is a success because it's obeying the voice of God. It's hearing, it's responding, it's being obedient. And it makes room for goodness. Because if he's calling a relationship to come to an end, how many of y'all know it's because that relationship ain't good for you? There's something better. And he's making room. But sometimes making room means moving some things out of the living room. Know what I'm saying? So let God rearrange your furniture, y'all. Moving on at God's instruction does not mean failure. It makes way for what's next again. Um, and also, let a new thing be a new thing. Do you hear me? Sometimes I feel like failures from the past become filters through which we see every new opportunity and like we approach them with great hesitation and caution and fear. Because we've seen things go bad in the past. That is not healthy. In Isaiah, there's a beautiful, beautiful portion of scripture here, 4319. says this, Behold, I am going to do something new. Now it will spring up. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. That question is potent. Will you not be aware of it? I think sometimes our eyes are so fixated on the failures of the past that we can't even be aware of what he's calling us into in the future. Don't let your perspective be kidnapped. It's a trap of the enemy. You're not producing any fruit beating yourself up. You're not producing any fruit running everything through the filter of the past. Yes, you can gain wisdom. Yes, you can grow in character from things you've experienced in the past, but do not let those experiences restrain you from confidently stepping into what God has for you. A common word for that would be trauma. Don't let trauma from the past cause you to experience everything in a traumatic way. What I'm telling you is there's room for God to heal. I'm not saying you need to figure out, oh, well, you just suck it up. 
buttercup. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's room for God to heal you. And it's not by having your eyes fixated on the failures of the past. Another thing, this is something I struggle with. We're gonna, this is the last point. Will we let fear of failure cause us to overcompensate? Can everyone say overcompensate? With paralyzing perfectionism. Or will we let God's love form a trust for him and embrace adventure? Now, some of y'all know me and you're like, yeah, Stephen, yeah. This is for you too. So check yourself. This is for all of us. Sometimes what we do is we're so afraid of failing that it's like, okay, so everything needs to be spelt out and figured out with meticulous detail. Two things happen when we do that. One, you will never do anything because you'll just be planning all of the perfect points to an extent that you won't ever get to the perfect spot to actually step forward. Anybody ever been there? Well, you know what, when, when, when I just get it all perfectly figured out, some of y'all do this with your relationships. You know what, when all of our check boxes are checked, then we can proceed. <laughs> are they God's check boxes? You know what I'm saying? It's real talk, check yourself. It's, it's wild. You won't ever have a relationship sometimes, like, you know? But all I'm saying is, is that can be a paralyzing thing. Fear of it not being walked out perfectly, it's not going to go perfect, okay? But the perfect one has got us. He's got our back, and he's going with us step by step. And here's what's wild, is if you choose to walk with Jesus by the guidance of the Spirit of God, these it won't always be such like a shell-shocking thing. Because rather than us finding ourselves at a place that is completely at odds with his spirit in some climactic way, we'll go, oh, that was the wrong step. Okay, here we go. Okay, cool, I'm walking, I'm walking. Yeah. Oh, no, okay, just back here. And it won't be like, turn around, you know what I mean? Because you're experiencing the fire of godlessness, you know what I mean? Just step by step, let him guide you. And then you'll be like, oh yeah, no, 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 you're going this way. Oh yeah, go this way, okay, cool. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? So it can be a paralyzing thing, or you can put God in a very small box. Um, your perfectionism doesn't leave a lot of room for God to move. Okay? You think you got it all figured out, what's left for him to figure out. And I would much rather experience the adventure of trusting God step by step in life than like the really small life of just walking out my own plans. You can plan but we need to let God's purposes be the actual leading factor in our lives. Amen? Proverbs 19.21, this is scripture that talks about this. We humans keep brainstorming options and plans, but God's purpose prevails. 
<laughs> I like that. That's straightforward, man. Message translation crushed it with that. We humans keep brainstorming options and plans, but God's purpose prevails. <laughs> so don't obsess over every detail to the point of paralyzation. It's not good for you. Have you ever noticed that that kind of obsession is rarely filled with faith or grace? It's usually fear. Well, what if I do this wrong? Or what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And it's all preventative. What if you change that question to like, what if he? What if instead of like a, con con like a condemning, like, well, what if I? Oh my gosh, what if I mess this up? What if I mess this up? What if we change that to what if he does this? Wow, maybe he would do this. What if he did this? Doesn't that start to kind of stir your heart up and get you thinking about the potential of God working in a situation? Rather than terrifying you of the implications of your own plan, chill out, follow him, life will be better. Amen? So can y'all see how failure can be an opportunity to grow? Yeah, right on, good. Um, here's a couple questions this week for consideration. Number one, what is a way you have seen God take a failure in your life and flip it around for good? I want you to think about a specific way that he's done this in your life. What is a way or what is a situation where, God has, where you've seen God take a failure in your life and flip it around for good? And then number two, is fear of failure holding you back in any specific areas of your life? I encourage you, talk about this with church fam. Most importantly, though, ask the Spirit of God these things. Amen? And, like, let Him reveal these things to you. We're not dumpster diving. We're just asking the Spirit of God to reveal truth. Amen? Awesome. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message was a blessing to you. Yeah, hey, we just wanted to give you the opportunity as well to partner up and plug in to the church uh, by giving. So if you would like to be a part of that and help make this all possible, you can do so by going to wearelovechurch.com slash give. You can also plug in, stay in the loop with what's going on at the church via our Instagram and Facebook platforms. So love y'all. God bless you.